It's great to be with you this morning. Um, look, I'm aware that we're all excited. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to, after this service, be able to have the pastoral search committee bring sort of the culmination of hours and hours of work and prayers of everyone here. So I will do my part and keep this pretty short. Um, as I've mentioned before, when growing up, my brother Luke and I didn't necessarily get along all that well. Nowadays, we're good friends. We'll hang out after church tonight, watch some of the Aussies cricket. Um, but mostly, growing up, due to our seven-year age gap, we didn't get on all that well. I was the annoying younger brother. He was the older bully. And constantly, we'd have fights. And things would be said along the lines of, oh, I wish you weren't my brother, or as, why do you have to be part of our family? And Dad always had this one line of, you can choose your friends, you can't choose your family. That was always Dad's line. You can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. His point being that we are brothers, that we are part of the same family, whether we like it or not, that is a fact. Maybe you've had a similar experience. Maybe you've had experiences that look different to that. Maybe for you, there's a certain group of relatives that come around Christmas time. You know when you're placing out your Christmas dinner, we've got to sit those people away from these people or because there's been issues in there. Maybe there's a certain group of relatives, I know in our family, and I am probably it to the people I'm about to refer to, but it's just that little bit more odd. Um, and so you don't jump out of your skin to go and see them at family events. Um, I, like I said, I am that to many people. Um, maybe there's been disagreements within a family or, or unfortunately, separations within a family. Maybe certain people have had some grievances with one another and that's affected family dynamics. Maybe your family gets along great and, and maybe at times elements of it at least can be disjointed. That's certainly the case when it came to the early church. The early church is a disjointed family, especially in the beginning. Certain parts of the family got along great. Certain parts of the family would not sit at the same meal table as others. To some, certain parts of the early church family were just weird. Uh, let me pray, and, and then this is just a little bit of what we're going to have a quick look at this morning, what it looks like to be family, whether we like it or not. Let me pray. Oh God, thank you so much for who you are and for all you've graciously done for us. Thank you that we can freely gather here this morning and we can open your word. And we just trust now that you, through your Holy Spirit, reveal more to us of who you are, reveal more to us of who we are, reveal more to us of um, how offensive sin is towards you and our great need for a saviour that you have already so graciously provided for us in your beautiful son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, if not, it will be on the screen. Let's read through Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. I'm reading from the ESV translation. For this reason, this is the Apostle Paul, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, 
and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This section of the chapter is clearly a prayer, and it's the second prayer Paul prays in this letter to Ephesians. But for those that might not have been here for Pastor John's series so far, why? Why is Paul praying here, where he starts with, for this reason? Well, what is this reason he is referring to? Earlier in the chapter, we told that reason we discover that the purpose was that this mystery that has been revealed to paul it's his heart that that would be known and understood Uh, so this mystery that paul is referring to was ultimately that a disjointed family would come together the mystery that was revealed to paul was that despite their differences Despite their arguments, despite their different theological views, despite some viewing others as being completely weird, that actually when it comes to Christ Jesus and his church, that both Jews and Gentiles are family and part of the same family, whether they like it or not. Now, I know we're in the book of Ephesians, but this is also one of the main reasons that Paul writes his letter to the Romans. See, in AD 49, there was an emperor called Claudius like running Rome, and he put out this edict that expelled Jews from the city of Rome. So when Jews are kicked out, churches go from having predominantly Jewish leadership running them to them being in exile, and while they're away, the churches transition into having predominantly Gentile leadership. Now, when that edict lapses and the Jews start returning to Rome, there's a lot of issues of a disjointed family coming together. Under Jesus Christ, they're part of the church, but suddenly you've got new ways clashing with the old, you've got Jewish ways clashing with the Gentile ways, all under the same banner of Jesus Christ. And that's one of the reasons that Paul writes his letter to the Romans, and I believe it's what's driving Paul here in his prayer. This coming together of a disjointed family with Jews and Gentiles alike under Christ. I think that's what in verse 14 it says. It's for this reason that he then bows his knee. It's for this reason that he is praying this prayer. Paul has had this revelation about this church family coming together and he wants them to understand it, to comprehend it, to live in light of it. But he knows it's going to be a tough ask. And so he prays for the church. But here's the thing. It's not just this coming together of a disjointed family. is isn't just something that the Jews and Gentiles have to, had to wrestle with in the early church movements. It's not something that only they had to come to grips with. I believe it's something that you and I and plenty of others wrestle with in the church today. If we're brutally honest... At times, sadly, the church today is a pretty disjointed or even dysfunctional in some spaces family. Sadly, not often, but at times that can even be true here at NBC. Within the church family, there can be disagreements. There can be people from different backgrounds, different cultures, different theological views who do things differently to us 
all coming under the same place and sometimes that doesn't immediately click. Sadly, there's separations in our family. There can be lawsuits, people with different theological views, different leadership styles. Let's be honest, especially within Christian circles, there can be pockets of it that are quite different to us and pretty odd. And that can be true here at NBC at times as well. But just like verse 15 says, under Jesus Christ, we're family. We might be a dysfunctional one at times, but we are family. Despite our differences, despite our different backgrounds, contexts, whatever it might be. Despite plainly maybe not even liking someone. In Jesus Christ, we are family. Like my dad's line when I was growing up, you can choose your friends, you can't choose your family. We're all family here. Warts and all. And that means that we're to treat each other as family. To love one another. At least in my biological family at times, there have been some poor decisions that have been made by myself as well as by other family members that I might not have agreed with at all. But regardless of whether my family members were in the right or wrong, I still ultimately love them because they're family. I have grace for them. I care for them. I pray for them. I love them. And I believe this is what the Apostle Paul models for us as a church. That under Jesus Christ, we are all family, whether we like it or not. Like it or not, we're, we're family. That's a fact. The people to your left, for some of you, the people to your right, we're family. The people you get along easily with, and you'll go and you'll find to have a coffee with them after the service. The people that you might have a grievance with, that you'll seek to actively avoid after this service. We're all family. In Jesus Christ, we are family and as a family, we are to love one another. Now, here's a hard lesson I had to come to learn. Love does not equal tolerate. Loving one another does not mean simply don't make a scene or simply don't be mean to someone. That's not love. We are to love one another, we are to care for one another, respect one another, pray for each other, show grace to each other. And when we do that, when we live as a family in light of who Jesus Christ is and in light of what Jesus Christ has done for us, only then can we actually glorify God in the church as we're intended to and called to. So let me just ask you as we close, how are you treating your other family members? Are you tolerating people or are you loving people? Are you respecting each other, praying for one another, praying for that person that I mentioned you might be seeking to avoid around the coffees after this service? Are we loving each other and living as a family? Because in Christ, that's what we are, like it or not. You can choose your friends, you can't choose your family. Now, the Apostle Paul knew that this was going to be a tough task for a pretty dysfunctional church family to fulfil. And that's why he prays for them. And so this morning, I'm simply going to close now. Mike and team can come up. I just want to close this morning praying the same prayer over us 
as a church family, as Paul did to the church in Ephesus. Let me pray. Father God, we pray according to the riches of your glory. Lord, we pray that for each one of us here this morning that has heard this short message, that right now, to be strengthened with the power of your spirit in our inner being. Oh God, I pray that we will know that we have your spirit in us. And God, that we would have your strength, power and everything we need by the power of your spirit to live as a family. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will dwell in our hearts through faith, that we will believe in you, that we will trust in you all day long, that we will walk in step with your spirit, knowing that you are abiding in us. And God, I pray that we'll be rooted and grounded in love. God, help us to know how high, how wide, how long and how deep your love is for us. In a fresh way, even right now, may we know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. We'll we'll never know it fully, but God, may we know it more. May us that are here this morning know your love more today than what we did yesterday. And God, may we be filled with all your fullness, all that you have, all that you give. God, that we will experience you. And I pray that in us and through us, you will do far more abundantly all than what we can ask or even think according to your power at work. All to your glory in our lives. And through our lives, be your glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.